0: Our epistle reading for today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated with us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in christ jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not the result of works so that no one may boast for we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of God for the people of God.
1: And our gospel lesson for this morning comes from John chapter 12, verses 27 through 32. I invite you to stand either in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. And this is the part of the book of John where Jesus speaks about his death. And Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowds standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. And yet, still others said, An angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people. myself, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
2: Well, some have asked, why are we using these two scriptures? One is about uh, the grace of God, which we've used three or four times this year already. Well, okay, then memorize it. (laughs) It's good for you to memorize that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 is one of Paul's greatest testimonies to the miracle of God's grace for by grace you've been saved through faith and some scholars would say that through faith is not your faith it's the faith of Jesus Christ it's through the faith of Christ who believed in you when no one else would And then the gospel lesson, which is a lesson about the death of Jesus when uh, we're talking about life and love and grace. But I'd like for you to focus on one statement in particular, and that is the one where Jesus said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people unto myself. Are you listening? That when... Christ is lifted up. There is opportunity for everyone to be under its shadow. What a powerful story. In 1853, there was an abolitionist minister named Reverend Theodore Parker who uh, used a phrase in his sermon one Sunday that has been oft quoted since then. And this is it. That the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Where have you heard that before? Well, Martin Luther King Jr. picked that phrase up from this sermon and used it many times. That the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Another one that I've thought of, which I think is very much like it, that could fit with what we're talking about today, and the tree of life stewardship emphasis, is to say the arc of salvation is long, but it bends toward life. And when we talk about the life that God has prepared for us, we're talking about life that has justice and freedom and grace that is a part of it. The ark of salvation is long, but it bends toward life. And if you look at the tree of life in the biblical record, you can see a bit of that ark take place. That uh, it starts in the Garden of Eden where there are two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Jesus, uh, God said, stay away from it. You don't need any of that. And the tree of life that if they would just have eaten from that, they could have lived forever. But there's two trees. Now You know the story. You know what they did. They chose to exercise their freedom and thus entered into the world the processes that involve struggle and, and turmoil and sweat and pain and death. And that has come down through history. That's a part of the ark of salvation. And you see... That immediately from the time that they leave the garden, when God made for them skins out of animals which were comfortable and hopeful, that the salvation story began. And then it drops in on another tree. This past week, I was given a gift. And it was one I showed to the children. I got a picture of it up on the screen It was a gift that uh, I had been given of a cross that has the tree of life on it. Now, I've lived 64 years. I've been to seminary and have a master's degree. I've been in in, in church for much longer than even I've been in ministry for 45 years. And i would never seen anything like that until this week. Where have I been? And it seemed to put it all together for me. At the cross... And the tree of life, that that is the intersection with which God dealt with the dilemma that started in the garden long before. For the tree that brought death and the tree that brought life are intertwined in the cross itself, that the instrument of Satan, execution, the instrument of the worst that life could dish out, was transformed the backwards is forward in the gospel, was transformed into the instrument of our life and salvation. How good is that? And so that which is the cross became the place where these two trees have come back together again and the ark of salvation continues throughout the story of the new covenant which Jesus unleashed upon the world which gives us hope. And salvation. And ultimately the picture that John the revelator had on the island of Patmos. About the tree of life in the new heaven and the new earth. The new Jerusalem. As being a glorious tree that brought healing. And bore fruit and life for all who gazed upon it. The ark of salvation is long. But it bends toward life last week I uh, made a statement that uh, you may or may not have agreed with uh, I didn't get any emails on this but I've reflected on it several times I said why can't uh, republicans and democrats agree on anything remember I said that seems like I can't agree on anything and there's a lot of fighting going on well now <clears throat> well I think that was a good question I also have reflected on what I believe is the basis of a healthy democracy. And that has to do from uh, healthy dialogue, arguments, robust debate, and even at times disagreements that that, that become kind of serious in nature. A two-party system is going to have disagreements. They're going to struggle with one another. They're going to debate. They're going to fight with one another. And that actually can be a part of our healthy democracy. Senator Adam Schiff, who uh, uh, a book came out just this week entitled Midnight in Washington, How We Almost Lost Our Democracy and Still Could. I got that book and I downloaded it on Kindle and, and I read it every chance I get, but uh, in his book, he reflected on his parents. And he said he learned the essence of the democratic process from them. One of his parents was a staunch Republican. And the other was a staunch Democrat. Now, one could imagine that that could be a recipe for holy hell in the, in the home. But he said that his mom and dad got along amazingly well and he reflected that they would tell him neither political party has a monopoly on good judgment but that it was essential to exchange ideas with curiosity and respect and that was a lesson that he had learned as a young boy and has carried through his life, into the political arena, and now as he serves in the United States Congress. It's essential to have an exchange of ideas. It seems to me that we who call ourselves Christians can cultivate a spirit in which we do it with curiosity and with respect. Perhaps I should have said, why do some people believe a lie when others clamor for the truth? Why do people codify lies by repeating them over and over and over again until they believe they are true? It's been said, even by people in power and authority, that if you say something enough times, people will begin to believe it. The carpet is red. If I were to say it enough time and give you enough arguments, the social psychologists would say that you might begin to believe that the carpet is red. And that's why healthy debate by both sides of the issue, even though both sides are right and both sides are wrong at the same time, is a part of a valuable process that helps us Steer clear of the lies and search for the truth wherein we can all live. Well, believing a lie is, is nothing really new. Adam and Eve did that. They believed the snake that was hissing at them from that one tree. Believing a lie is what Cain did when he thought it was the right thing to do to kill his brother Abel. And it's what convinced whoever killed Gabby Petito that it was the right thing to do. To put it in theological terms Satan rejoices greatly when truth is subverted Facts are distorted and research is tossed aside Because it doesn't just separate people It corrodes relationships And even our ability to think for ourselves So even we as Christians don't agree on everything Maybe that's okay If we can dialogue with one another and and arrive at a way forward that brings hope, abundance, and joy. In fact, that's what we're pledging ourselves to. To be people of hope, abundance, and joy. Because we have a truth that is a great truth that is the greatest story ever told of Jesus and His love. God, the author of an amazing grace. It is a narrative that needs to be heard in our world. It's a narrative that says our lives are better in relationship with Jesus and our lives are better in connection to those whom Jesus loves. During my break, I had a lot of time to reflect. And once in a while, I do get serious and reflect. Not very often, but uh, uh, there's one thing I did come up with Uh, And I was appreciative of of the break. So, in case you didn't know, I had several weeks to uh, not have any responsibilities here at church. And I appreciated that. But one of the things I observed in myself that surprised me a little bit was that I've grown weary of religion. I've grown tired of the religiosity that we espouse. Hmm. I'm tired of of people fighting over major things like who God loves and who God doesn't love. And I'm tired of, of, of disputes like it's too hot or too cold in the sanctuary. Like so many others and perhaps yourselves, I'm kind of tired of the fight. And yet I know how important organized religion is. That the church has a place. And what we've been about here for 45 years as an Aldersgate congregation has merit that helps us organize to beat the devil and to bring a narrative of life and grace and hope. And then I also had another uh, observation. I realized that though I'm kind of tired of religion and religiosity and the way it is construed in our world. I have not grown weary of faith in Jesus Christ. Not at all. There's even researchers who have found in America today that there are a lot of people who have grown tired of religion. And that's why they don't darken the doors of the church because they're tired of church people but that these same people are looking for purpose in their lives and so many of them find it in Jesus. And that's the message for today. I would invite you to be a people who have faith in the Jesus that brings us life, who dared come to earth and share in a way that provided hope forgiveness and life and that the cross itself would become a permanent symbol of taking death and transforming it into life and that's the narrative that we seek to share My hope is that your faith in Jesus will remain robust. Even if you get discouraged with how the church is going, with how the world is going. Because Jesus is the one that that brought us a new covenant. A new covenant of grace which is for everyone. A new covenant that says when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Now, there was one member of of this congregation a a couple of years ago who approached me in the hallway and said, Pastor, do you really believe that everyone's going to go to heaven? I mean, there's some people that just aren't going to go to heaven. Well, how do you respond to that? I said, you know what? I don't know who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. That's a decision to be made that's way above my pay grade. But What I know is this. I have a story to tell about Jesus Christ. Friends, I happen to believe that everybody loves Jesus. There's just a bunch of people who don't know it yet. And you and I get to be among those who break the good news to people who are languishing under the burden of works righteousness in the church and the weight of sin in the world. There's so many who even come to church. We bring our suitcases full of of luggage that has garbage and baggage in it, and we bring it with us, and then we take it home again. And we carry it around with us. I would submit to you that this is a place where you can bring all your garbage and all your stuff, your past, and you can leave it here. Oh, let it inform you on how you live but leave it here at the foot of the cross because God's grace covers it. Jesus said, don't worry, folks. I've got this one. And that's when he stretched out his arms and he declared the work of salvation is finished. So, friends, I want you to join me in the ongoing work of sharing the good news. Like the hymn says, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. And God's grace isn't just for some of the world. For God so loved some of the world that he gave his own... No. For God so loved all of the world... And when I am high and lifted up, I will draw some people to myself. No, all people to myself. And whether some of them make it or some of them don't, that's not our concern. Ours is to tell the difference that he's made in our lives. My heart is strangely warmed. You can talk about a warm heart. And that can open the door to talk about the difference that Jesus has made for you. So it's not just filling out a pledge card. It's making a declaration that I will be a part of the Jesus people who share the good news. That's what I have to say about that. The tree of life. Look for it, long for it, and live like you believe it. Amen.